May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Ever since we were young, we have been taught to look up to see God. And there is good reason. Even today, we hear that Jesus is exalted on his throne. And so we do the most natural thing. We look up. We look up in search of Jesus. Earlier in Luke's gospel, Jesus said that when things get bad, like in the end times, then you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. When you see these things, look up. Your salvation is drawing near. Christ the King coming on the clouds in honor and glory. The next time Christians meet him, he will come from up above. I say all of this and just note that many Christians have been looking up for quite some time, eagerly expecting his second coming. One Christian group, the Millerites, calculated the day of his return to be precisely on October 22, 1844. They quit their jobs and took to the high ground, and everyone got dressed for heaven. Well, the calculations were off, and the day has gone down in American religious history as the great disappointment. But this morning, we are wise not to look too far up, especially if we want to meet Jesus, Christ the King. God is not up in the clouds on his throne. God is a little bit lower down. Jesus is on his throne, to be sure, but his throne is a splintered cross. Right here on our level. Look up, but not too high, we hear this morning. It's a jarring text. It feels like a reading from uh, Lent, maybe Good Friday. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is being pitifully mocked. He is being led out past the place of the skull. It doesn't get any more ominous than that. His clothes are gambled over, and there he is, naked, hanging there like a scarecrow. Why is he there? One answer is that he was like Socrates, a total gadfly of the society, and people were just tired of dealing with him. To a society with strict purity codes, he said, I have come to bind up wounds and to heal the sick. To a society that said we have no use for people who don't contribute to the common good, he said, let the children come to me. In a world that said only the religious ones are the people who go to church, he said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. But even more of a problem was his claim to be king. This is what got him in big trouble. Sure, Jesus was a revolutionary, but he was more than this. He wasn't just turning over the tables of the Roman Empire. He was establishing his own table. He wasn't coming as another lord like Caesar. His message was clear. He was coming to be Caesar's lord. And as my Uncle Stan used to say, 
Dems fighting words. <clears throat> but this kingdom doesn't look like we expect it to look. We want to look up to the clouds because that's where all the power is. That's where airplanes and bombs and drones and supermoons come from. Power and approval come from above too, from our parents when we were younger and from executives and governments now. What a strange power that is right here on our level, face to face with us. Sometimes I wonder if we look to the sky because we like the distance it affords us. It lets us off the hook. And it's a strange kingdom too, isn't it? He doesn't recruit the strongest and the able-bodied and the youthful and the talented. That's what our world does, but he's different. His kingdom is not of this world. Save yourself. Come on, Jesus, the deriding criminal from the cross says. Save yourself. Now, before we write off this request, let's consider the poignancy of it. Sometimes I wonder how much easier it would be for us earthlings if God would just settle the matter once and for all, if God would just silence his critics and do something extravagant. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God would just write a message in the stars for all the world to see? You know, maybe rearrange Little Dipper and Orion's belt and take Cancer and Leo and Aquarius and just tweak them and leave us a little message. Hi, it's God. And I just want to let you all know that I exist. Maybe underline it with a shooting comet just for dramatic effect. We could take our doubting friends out and say, look up, it's true. I told you I wasn't just crazy. I suppose it's only natural to want God to do something like this. I suppose for many, the message in the stars would be welcomed as an ultimate approval of the decisions made in life. For others, there may be a head-in-hands kind of regret. In any event, we can't help but feeling that this would make things a little bit better. Don't you see how people are just indifferent to Christianity, God? To your message of love and hope? Come on, God. Save yourself. We are ready. We are looking up. But that's not quite where we are in this morning's gospel text. And what I hope to suggest to you is that what we get this morning is better than any message in the stars. Karl Barth, one of my favorite theologians, said it best. In his high majesty, God is humble. Let me illustrate this with something that happened to a friend of mine this past week. So one of my dear friends woke up Wednesday after Wednesday morning after the election in a funk. So she did what most of us do when in a funk. She went to Starbucks, <laughs> seeking the healing balm of an eggnog latte. But she seemed unable to shake the funk. The car right in front of her had stickers and decals tattooed to it that took her category one funk to a category five. 
She said that she felt herself just beginning to judge the car right in front of her. The inner monologue was just picking up, the predictable tape beginning to play. That's when she pulled up to the drive-through window, and as she was scrambling for cash, she hears the barista say, your drink has been paid for. The car in front of you took care of it. My friend was in tears as she told me about this. It's such a small thing, but it's that moment when you are stuck and something unforeseen dawns in your midst. Something rich like eggnog. Something called grace. Jesus, remember me, says the thief from the cross. And he has glimpsed what my friend glimpsed this past week. At the end of his rope, he hears something not too unlike, it's been taken care of. It's all been paid for. And here I think we come to the heart of our gospel text. It's not God who needs to save himself. It is we who need saving. It's not the message in the stars as much as that might help. It's something better. It's an unexpected grace like, an, like a paid-for latte. It's a king who is totally plunged into the mess and muck of our world. Meeting us in the strangest of places, the places we least expect it, in a Starbucks drive through on a hill called Calvary. There he is, this strange king stripped of all his royalty except love. Offering not an ultimate proof that could somehow save his identity, but a boundless love and grace that promises to save ours. In his high majesty, God is humble. For those of us tired of looking and straining for God, we are invited to relax, to lower our gaze a little bit, and to look there. And here, right here among us, not in power, but in love, we make out his radiant presence, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Alleluia, sing to Jesus, his the scepter, his the throne. Amen.